You're watching KCMI-TV. So glad you joined me. Uh, I want to talk about uh, our will. And, of course, this is such an extensive subject. I'm going to try to restrict myself just to some points that I feel like would be relevant to what God is saying to my spirit. And there are entire books that have been written on the will of God and the will of man, but uh, just something that has been resonating in my spirit. And I think that for us to live really victorious for Christ, this is an area that we have to learn to deal with. And so uh, I don't really want to talk <clears throat> so much about uh, God's will, but I want to talk about our will. And uh, whether you realize it or not, your will really is your master because you're going to do what your will is. And uh, Romans <clears throat> 6, 16 said that whatever we yield ourselves to, that we become the servant of. And so <clears throat> all of us, uh, whatever the will is in our life, whatever will rules us. If it's the rule of man, the will of man, then that rules us. If it's the will of God, <clears throat> then God rules our lives. Uh, and the Bible is very clear and it says, nobody can serve two masters. It is impossible for you to fulfill your own will and also fulfill the will of God because <clears throat> they're just, they're opposite. Jesus said this, he said, my ways are not your ways, my thoughts are not your thoughts. And so, <clears throat> you know, our will is really comprised up of, uh, it's part of our soul realm. You know, you have your natural body, and then you have a soul and you have a spirit. So I, wanna, I don't want to talk too much about that, but uh, your, your natural, your physical body uh, it really operates off of five senses, your smell, your sight, those type of things. But your, <clears throat> your soul realm Boy, this is where we have our battle. Uh, it's basically your will, your mind, and your emotions. And I personally think that out of those three things, your emotions, your mind, and your will, by far, the will is the most dominant. Because really, your, your will is going to control your appetites. Uh, your will is going to control your emotions. And to a great degree, the will is going to dictate how your mind things. And so in the soul realm of a man, that which is going to dominate that man is his will. It's his natural propensity. And uh, a lot of times our will is really predicated on our personalities and all of these things. I have met some people, they have incredibly strong wills. Their constitution is amazing. And then I've met other people that you can easily change their mind. Uh, people that <clears throat> have a really strong will can do incredible things for God, but their will has to be broken first. And boy, I'm going to tell you what, the stronger your will is, the harder God has to hit you. And um, I, I really, I think I would like to use Jesus kind of as our example uh, on this lesson and uh, for you and I, 
to do the will of God, somewhere in our life, our will, our natural will has to die. And in the Lord's Prayer, when they asked Jesus, said, you know, teach us how to pray. He starts off the prayer, he says, our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be thy name. And then he immediately shifts into this. He says, thy kingdom come and thy will be done. The will of man, hear me by the Spirit, the will of man never advances the kingdom of God. There is a huge difference between ambition and vision. Ambition comes from the will of man and vision comes from the will of God. So we're going to just go back out of the 26th chapter of the book of Matthew. And I want to pick up, this is where Jesus is going into the Garden of Gethsemane. And this is a few verses that tells us the story of what Jesus went through. He finds himself in the Garden of Gethsemane in verse 38, <clears throat> Matthew 26. He starts off by telling his disciples, he said this, he said, my soul, remember now the soul, the most dominant part of it is our will. He says, my soul is exceedingly sorrowful even unto death, tarry ye here and watch with me. So, <clears throat> Jesus, at this point, he is feeling drawn. He's beginning to feel this conflict. His natural will is feeling a conflict of what he's sensing in his spirit realm. And he says this, he said, I feel death. He said, I am not happy. He said, I am ex I'm exceedingly, exceedingly sorrowful, even unto death. And he looks at his disciples and he, and you know, whenever we get in a place that's difficult and we feel like we're, we're having to do something we don't really want to do, we want to get people around us that are sympathetic to us and somehow reinforce our reasoning and why we can't do that. And he looked at his disciples and said, guys, I need you to, to really stand in here with me and pray. It generally never works. Verse 39, he goes a little farther and he fell on his face. And he prayed, saying, oh, my father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as thy will. So now we understand what the battle is. The battle is between the will of Christ and the will of his Father. And so we have to remember that Jesus is a man while he's on the earth. He has restricted himself from deity. I don't think he even knew he was God, that it began to be revealed to him as he went farther into his ministry. But he, when, when you read about um, the ministry of Christ, he says this in John 6, 38. He said, I came down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him that sent me. So Jesus had always understood that he didn't get to pursue what he wanted. He was there to pursue the will of God. Knowing the will of God 
and doing the will of God are very, very different. Lots of people say, well, I know what the will of God is for my life, but are you doing the will of God? So we find now Jesus is in this place, <clears throat> says he falls on his face. There is such a heaviness on him. There is such a pressure on him because he is entering into the greatest battle that he has ever entered into. I think this battle was much greater than the battle in the wilderness that he had with Satan because he would just quote the word, and the Bible said after the third time, the devil departed from, from for he sees it. If you look at the ministry of Jesus, he, he healed the sick, he raised dead people, uh, he opened the eyes of the blind, he cast out demons. And I think that Jesus enjoyed this. Was this the will of God for his life? Absolutely. That's why he came, to destroy the works of the devil. And so there are seasons where the will of God for our life is something that we can enjoy because it also gives us enjoyment. It's like a worship leader that's on the platform and they're leading worship and they're living off of their, their feeling, the, 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 the reception from the audience and there's this release of their gift and there's this tremendous enjoyment. Are they in the will of God? Absolutely. When I preach and the crowd is moved and the anointing of God is on me, is that the will of God? Absolutely. But I can also tell you this, you are going to encounter sometime in your life where the will of God is going to be exactly opposite of what you like. And for the first time in Jesus' life, he is now being confronted with something he does not want to do. Never does it say, and Jesus told the Father, I'm not healing these people, or I'm not going to cast out that demon. He did it all because he enjoyed it. Now the Father, the will of God evolves in our lives. And especially as we're younger, God will not put his greater demand upon us. But as we mature in the Lord, and as we approach the eternal purpose for which God created us, that will, will, it will change. It will begin to take us into another dimension. The more you fulfill the purpose of God, the less of you can be involved. And so here Christ is. He literally, this, this burden has literally put him on his face. And he begins to tell the Lord, he says, I don't want to drink this cup. And he tells the father, he said, if it's possible, please take this cup from me. Why? Because his natural man, his emotions, his mind, his will did not want to die. Your will would do anything to stay alive. And in this, in this setting, uh, I, I find it very interesting when I was beginning to study this out, the only way that Jesus was ever, to, was ever able to deal with his natural will was with prayer. People that do not pray, that do not have a consistent prayer life, your natural will will rule you. Remember when <clears throat> Paul made the statement, he said, the things that I, that I, I want to do, I don't. 
and the things I don't want to do, I do. Now, I don't think he was talking about where he was spiritual at that time. I think he was talking about before he had really given his heart to Christ. And just because you want to do something doesn't mean that you're going to. And now Jesus, I mean, think about this. I mean, this is God in flesh. He has a sinless nature. He is a man, but he has been born without sin because his father overshadows Mary. So he doesn't have, he doesn't have the bloodline of the fallen first Adam. He has the bloodline of an eternal father. If a man without sin has this kind of struggle with a natural will, then you and I are going to have that same struggle. And everyone is going to reach a point in life to where your will has to die to the will of God. Um, just on a, I'll give you a little personal um, part of my own life. I, I preached and I pastored for the first 15 years uh, of my ministry. And... Uh, had a good prayer life. I, I lived a godly life. I loved the Lord. And, uh, but I had a strong will, had a strong nature. I, I needed more compassion. Uh, I needed more mercy. And the tougher things got, the tougher I got because I had a strong constitution. When <clears throat> God got ready to change my ministry, and to give me the mantle of a prophet. He had to break me. And I mean, God took me so far down, I felt like I could feel the heat of hell. Um, cried all the time, wound up homeless, lost everything I ever had, wasn't preaching. And when I went through that kind of depth, that's when God <clears throat> broke my will. If you are going to be used mightily of the Lord, there has to be a time where you can come to the Lord and say, not my will, but thy will be done. Jesus says this, and yet his will still has not given in to the Lord. He's not acquiesced in... Um, <clears throat> He feels such intensity of, of this battle that he finally, he just gets up and he walks away from him. And he walks back out and he looks at the guys that he had asked to stand with him and, and they're asleep. And he said, could you not watch with me? And he goes back into prayer. When... God takes you through this kind of place to where your will dies out to the will of God. You get so close to death. The Bible here tells us that, that Jesus, his physical body began to undergo such an intense encounter, an emotional encounter that that the pressure on the inside began to come to a point that the capillaries broke in his forehead and blood began to come out. There was such a intense encounter, this battle between the will of man and the will of God. 
And as he lay on the ground, the angels, the Bible said, had to come and strengthen him. And finally, at some point in this time, the will of Jesus gave in and died to the will of God. And when the will of God took over Christ, he took that breath, he stood up, he said, now it's all right. I know that Calvary was an unspeakable horror for Christ in the physical realm. But I think that the great battle for humanity wasn't one at the cross, but it was one in the Garden of Gethsemane. In fact, Gethsemane means the olive press. It's where God began to press him until the pressure caused that blood to come forth, but it was crushing the will. All of us want to be used of God. We want to heal the sick, raise the dead, all those things. That doesn't require Gethsemane. But to be ultimately sold out to God to where we never get in the way again of what God wants, that requires that moment. <clears throat> when, when you think about the Old Testament, um, Matthew 7, 21 says this, Not everyone who says, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven. See, right now we have this philosophy in the church that if you just say you love the Lord and you call yourself Christian, you're going to heaven. Not so. This verse is very clear in that. He said, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. Those are the only people, according to this scripture, that are going to heaven. It's not enough to say, I love Jesus, or Lord, you're the Lord of my life. He said, no, he said, he who does the will. So you can't, you can't fulfill your will and do the will of God at the same time. They're opposite of each other. It's, they're, a, they're polar opposite. And when you, when you think of Jacob, you know, Jacob had tremendous purpose on his life, even when he came out of the womb. And he, you know, through trickery, obtained the birthright. And so his nature was, I'm gonna, I'm gonna get things done, but I'm gonna do it by my own will. When God got ready to change his name, and make him a promise. He was going to tell him, he said, the covenant I made with Abraham and Isaac is now coming on you. God made Jacob have a Garden of Gethsemane encounter to where the Bible said that Jacob wrestled with God all night until God broke Jacob's will. And he finally said, Lord, I can't let you go until you bless me. The moment that Jacob's will broke and he yielded to the will of God for his life, his brother who had come to kill him, I believe that when Jacob yielded to the Lord is when God touched Esau. And when Esau saw Jacob, 
he didn't see an arrogant man. He didn't see a man whose name meant supplanter. He saw the God in Jacob because he wasn't Jacob anymore, he was Israel. God has a great purpose for many of you and, and some of you wonder, Pastor, <clears throat> why am I where I am at? I, my gift doesn't function, my ministry, I have no ministry, it just seems it's so tough. It could be that you're in the process of the old will dying so the will of God can come into your life and that's when you're gonna do your greatest work. You can never do the will of God until you drink the cup that God offers. So in closing today, <clears throat> I would just tell you this. You can't tell the Lord, I won't drink. You can, and you can walk away, but you'll never do what God's called you to do. <clears throat> but once you drink of that cup, <clears throat> everything changes. Life gets better. Your purpose is released. And you have this great satisfaction, fulfillment, as Jesus said. My nutrients, my nourishment, my food, it's the will of my Father. That's what it is. So as we close today, I, <clears throat> I pray over your life that God will give you the insight. One scripture says, praying that God will fill us with the knowledge of his will with all wisdom and spiritual understanding. That God will give you the strength. And as he strengthened Christ, so will he strengthen you. Rely on the Lord. Don't lean to your understanding, but lean on God's, and he will get you through. God bless you. I love you so much. You are going to come out of this garden with great victory. I'll see you Sunday. For more information about Kent Christmas Ministries International or Regeneration Nashville, go to kentchristmas.org or regenerationnashville.org. And for the latest updates or videos, follow us on Facebook and subscribe to us on YouTube. God bless you.